Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. An absolute pleasure to connect with you on a mild summer afternoon here in downtown Charlottesville. Took a little walk up and down the downtown mall um, in between Real Talk with Keith Smith and this show. I have a uh, P.O. box at the post office. So I checked the P.O. box. I got a slice of pizza over at Vita Nova. Vita Nova, the pizza parlor who replaced the, the impeccable pig at the corner spot over there on 4th Street, Heather Higher Way. Downtown Mall's popping right now, man. I have, what was the, uh, the saying on the tavern? The tavern roof. Let me make sure I get this saying right. Um, it was like where locals, tourists, and townspeople alike. Let me see if I can find it. Do you guys remember the saying from the roof on the tavern? Let's see. The tavern breakfast spot. See if you can find that. The saying that was on the roof at the tavern, the place where Anderson Seafood used to be, there was writing on that roof. It was like locals, students, and townspeople alike gather at the tavern um, across from Barracks Road Shopping Center. That's now the downtown mall. And it's popping right now. It's, 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 it's in great, great hands. And I want to highlight this. The pepperoni at Vita Nova... Forget about it. It is absolutely, absolutely on point. Students, tourists, and townspeople alike. Thank you very much for putting that in the feed, um, Jennifer. All right, so here's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to give you a rundown on what we're going to talk about. Uh, Juan Sarmiento gave us a heads up that the Louisa County Lions are in the um, state championship for softball. UVA baseball is also playing right now. I'm looking at the box score. It's 0-0 in the top of the third. It's super regional between two ACC rivals. I want to first talk Louisa. I'll tell a Doug Straley story. He's the superintendent of Louisa County Schools. And then I'll segue into uh, the data that Dr. Bryce was showing on SOL scores or sharing on SOL scores on her uh, Facebook page. She's a candidate for the at-large seat in the general election. First, the Doug Straley story. Um, Juan, you'll appreciate this. When I was a rookie reporter at the Daily Progress, fresh out of college, actually, I started the Daily Progress as a rising third year. So the summer before my third year, while, while living in the Phi Kappa Psi fraternity, I got the itch to turn a passion, which was communication, words, and the gift of writing, into potentially a career. I love sports. I walked into the newsroom at the Daily Progress, and I, I saw a, um, a man with circular glasses, brown hair combed over, a golf shirt, khaki shorts, sitting at his cubicle, there were stacks of ACC media guides on his desk. This particular individual's cubicle was the first one you saw when you entered in the newsroom. And I immediately recognized his face, but I couldn't place the name, and I was curious why I recognized his face. Then I realized it was Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe, then the sports editor and columnist for the Daily Progress an institution still running, still actively involved in ACC sports with his website, jerryratcliffe.com. And we encourage everyone um, 
to visit jerryratcliffe.com and support what he's doing. He covers sports very, very, uh, very well. So I walk into the newsroom. I'm a rising third year. I want to get a job at this newspaper, and I tell Hootie, I called him Mr. Ratcliffe at the time, and I think Mr. Ratcliffe immediately said, you need to call me Jerry. And he said, um, tell me about yourself. I said, well, I'm a University of Virginia student. I have a passion for, for communication, for writing, and for sports. And I think I'd like to pursue a career as a sports journalist. And to Hootie's credit, he legitimately took the time out of sitting in this cubicle, researching whatever article he was going to write at that day. And he gave me, in fact, he was actually eating Wendy's. You know his son, Scott Ratcliffe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was actually eating Wendy's. I think he was eating a big bacon classic with a Coke and some fries. A lot of people don't realize this, but sports journalists, sports writers, we're incredibly unhealthy. We stay up late at night. We work and cover games. So when you're having fun watching games, we're working. Then we file the story when the game is over. Oftentimes, we're working to 11 o'clock midnight as the paper's getting put to bed. What are the only businesses that are still open at midnight around town? Well, they're bars. It's drinking spots. You're so jacked from work, you can't immediately go home and go to bed because your shift just ended and it's midnight. Sports writers, unhealthy, oftentimes drink too much, extremely high divorce rate, and they do all this stuff for the sake of covering athletics, a passion of so many of us. So I'm in the newsroom. This is 2002. God, this is 21 years ago. That's so crazy to say. I still feel 19 years old every day, but then I tell stories like this where I'm recounting something from 21 years ago. So I walk in the newsroom. I have a button-down shirt tucked in. I remember it like it's yesterday. I'm wearing khakis and some nice loafers. And I said, Mr. Ratcliffe, I'd like to get a job here. I'm a student at UVA. I can show you some of the writing that I've done for my religious studies class. And I can show you this essay that I wrote to to get into UVA and this short story I did for um, an English class, a creative writing class that I did. And it was Brian Kelly's creative writing class. Brian Kelly was a journalism professor, and I took his class over summer break. I spent every summer in Charlottesville when I was a student at UVA. Never went home to Williamsburg. Spent summers in Charlottesville. The best time of year if you're a student at UVA is summer break, where 75% of the student body leaves. So you really feel like you can get to know grounds in Charlottesville because it's so less cluttered and congested. So I'm talking to Hootie in the newsroom on Rio Road. He reads my essay, my, really does not spend much time reading the religious study five-page paper that I asked him to read. I don't know why he would read five pages on Buddhism, but I thought at the time that was a good idea. He read my entry exam, the, the, I got in early to UVA, early admission. He read the essay that I was most proud of, and then the story, um, the feature story I wrote for Professor Kelly in the creative writing class. And after reading those two, in the middle of eating bites of his Big Bacon Classic French fries and washing it down with a Coke from Wendy's, he, let, he said to me, he goes, you know, you got something here, and we have um, room for you on staff. We'll start you off as a part-timer. You're going to be what is called a stringer or a correspondent, stringer in the game, correspondent on the byline. Daily Progress Correspondent, anytime you see that, that's someone that's not an official staff writer. They're not getting perks like matching 401k or healthcare. 
They're just getting paid a flat sum per story plus mileage. So he said, I'm going to start you off as a stringer. The byline will say you're a correspondent. Can you cover a game tomorrow? That's how I got this job at the newspaper. The first game I covered was a girls' volleyball game at the Covenant School. I still have the article. I framed it. I was so proud of it, especially as a 20-year-old. And why I'm talking about this is I was given the high school sports beat. High school sports is often one of the most important beats at newspapers because the coverage of high school sports you can't find anywhere else besides the local paper. You might get 30 seconds, 45 seconds on the 11 o'clock news, maybe a highlight or two, but in 2022, 2023, the early 2000s, high school sports was the bread and butter of the newspaper. So much of the community cared about them. I realized that very quickly as I became the guy in charge of covering high school sports for the newspaper as a 20-year-old. One of the beats that was blossoming at the time in the early 2000s was the Louisa County High School Athletic Beat. And you're like, how is the Louisa County High School Athletic Beat blossoming? This is mineral Virginia. It's a town of, what, 10 or 15,000 people? Come on, Jerry, be serious. No, I'm telling you, when Mark Fisher and, and, and Coach Fisher have since passed away, I believe Coach Fisher has passed away. Juan, is that right? I don't want to speak out of turn. I know Coach Fisher has is, is battled um, uh, cancer. I believe he's passed away. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that Coach Fisher's passed away. Rust in power. Um, Juan helped me with that. So Coach Fisher comes to Louisa, and he's in charge of taking over a football cro- program that's pretty pitiful at the time. And by pretty pitiful, I mean extremely pitiful. Um, but he saw a sleeping giant, Mark did, because it's the lone high school in the, um, in the county, the, the boys in the county, the young men in the county, are what they call farm strong. So a lot of these boys, accustomed to physical, manual labor, working the farm, working around the house. I'd say most of the Louisa County football team at that time had part-time jobs. Not only were they high school students, but they were working part-time somewhere in some kind of physical capacity. Um, so Mark Fisher takes over this job as the head football coach of Louisa, and this guy's passion and zest and, and leadership skills rallies the community. He has an athletic director by the name of Doug Straley at the time. Doug Straley has since been promoted to superintendent of Louisa County Public Schools. And I'm about to show the performance of Louisa County Public Schools from an SOL standpoint in comparison to Albemarle County Public Schools from an SOL standpoint. So, so, so bear with me here. Louisa in the Jefferson District becomes this juggernaut. I'm talking like a powerhouse that's beating teams like 40, 50 to nothing. And this community where it's a sleepy town that didn't have a lot of options for Friday, Saturday night fun, they rally around Coach Fisher and the football program with a vengeance. And as I'm in charge of covering high school sports, the most important beat in high school sports is football because it gets the most people in the stands. When you have a lot of people in the stands on Friday night, they want to figure out what happened with the other matchups around Central Virginia that they couldn't watch (laughs) firsthand. So I'm sitting here as a 20-year-old. I go to the first football game on a Friday night. The stands are half full. 
I think Louisa beats an out-of-district, out-of-Jefferson district opponent like 40-something to nothing. I'm like, damn, this football team is good. Like, really, really good. I go to the next home football game because I enjoyed watching the first one. I get to know some of the young men named their parents. Speak to Coach Fisher. I'm inspired by Coach Fisher immediately. He has since passed away. The second time, I'm like, these stands are way more than half full. We got max capacity here. And at that second game, the athletic director, Doug Straley, friend of the program, now the superintendent, he saw it before anyone else did. Doug Straley did. He saw that this was an opportunity to galvanize all of Louisa County around a football program and use football as the water cooler of positivity for a community that was perhaps forgotten. Louise is close to Charlottesville, but it's not. It's close to Richmond, but it's not. In a lot of ways, Louise is looking for its own identity right now. That identity has since changed because of Zion's Crossroads and because we live in a much more connected world now, thanks to the internet and social media and the ubiquitous nature of smartphones and technology. But in early 2001, 2002, 2003, Louisa, and I'm going to be honest, was underachieving. It was underachieving. There wasn't demand for housing out there. There wasn't a ton of jobs. There was um, an area median income that was far below that of Charlottesville and Almarle. And we're talking a difference of what, like 15 miles maybe as the crow flies between Almarle and Louisa, if that? I mean, what do you think the, as the crow flies between Almarle and Louisa is? Is it even that much, Juan? That many miles? I mean, as the crow flies, it's right next to it, right? So Doug Straley, the athletic director at the time, he pulls me aside after the second game and Louisa wins big again. And he said, do you see what I'm seeing? And I look around the stands and I see a packed house. But that's all I saw was a packed house. And I said, there's a lot of people here. And I'll never forget these words from Doug Straley. He says, I see the entire community in my stands right here. What can I do to take this to a different level? It's literally what he told me. A 20-year-old told me that, the athletic director. And I said, I, I, mean, I don't know. i got to get in my car and drive back to Rio Road to file my story. You guys just kicked the bejeebus out of some out-of-district opponent, and you're going to be above the fold in the sports section right now. i got to sprint to the Daily Progress if I'm, if I'm going to get my 16 inches in the newspaper for tomorrow's edition. So I'm hauling ass from Mineral down 64 to Rio, going legitimately between 80 and 85 miles an hour, hoping a police officer is not shooting radar. To get to the newsroom, the Louisa Louisa, um, football stadium, the furthest stadium from the newsroom in central Virginia at the time. So when you're on that beat, you literally are hauling tail to get back to the newsroom to write the story. I get to the newsroom at the time after that second game, and Chris Wright, the preps editor of Daily Progress at the time, literally looks at me and says, I need 16 inches of copy from you right now and you have 20 minutes to give it to me. This is the second story I've ever written in my life. You want to know what pressure is? You have 20 minutes to write 16 inches of copy. 16 inches of copy is a lot of words. And this is the second time you've ever done this in your life. So I sat down, put my head down, didn't talk, look up, and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, it's been 20 minutes. I'm like, all right, here's my story. Next day, it's in the newspaper above the fold, like I told Doug Straley in the sports section, and he also had the lead photo. 
I guess I did a good job covering this because I got put on the Louisa beat the next time and the next time and the next time. And as this rookie cub reporter is kind of feeling out what he does well as a sports writer, he has the benefit, and I'm talking me, of covering a team that also is trying to figure out its identity. So in the third game, Doug Straley, the, the athletic director who pulled me aside, the, the, the guy who said, you see what I see, community, and what can I do better? Guess what happened in the third game? You start seeing a live lion on the sidelines of the football field. A lion, live, real lion in a cage. Cheerleaders were entrusted. Teenage cheerleaders, females, were entrusted with pushing Bubba, yes, Bubba the lion, in a cage all around the field. Not only does Doug Straley get Bubba the lion in a cage, it's the Louisa County Lions, that's their mascot, the Lions, but he gets parachuters skydiving from an airplane, two of them, with the game ball, the football used in the contest that night. It's parachuted in in skydiving capacity to the 50-yard line. The third thing Doug Straley did, he got an arch of balloons for the players to run through when coming out of the locker room onto the field. He also got a banner for the players to run through as they were coming through this arch of balloons. They shred through the banner and they get on the, on the gridiron. He has... Pyro, what's the word? Pyrotechnics? Yep. He's got pyrotechnics on the sidelines, literally shooting up firing rockets. The game ball being skydived in, and a live, authentic, real lion being whisked around the football field to the chagrin, cheer, and passion of those of us in attendance. By the third game... 20-year-old Jerry was hooked, man. I was hooked. It wasn't work for me. It was a spectacle of fun and enjoyment. As the season progressed, you could not find a ticket to go to Louisa football on Friday night. As the season progressed, it was straight out of Varsity Blues. The businesses in Mineral put signs in the door closed for the football game. As the season progressed, Doug Straley and Mark Fisher built an environment where fans were getting to the football stadium at lunchtime to tailgate a 7.30 kickoff. As the season progressed, Jerry, me, the only one in the press box, was soon Richmond Times-Dispatch next to me. TV stations next to me. Dickie Purcell the color commentator on the microphone calling the game, a Louisa County legend. Tammy Purcell, a social media substack genius on Twitter. Follow her content for Louisa. She does a hell of a job. Doug Straley and Mark Fisher utilized football to galvanize 
a community that was forgotten, a community that had seen better days, and a community that was searching for its brand identity. The passion and commitment to this program and to athletes like Eric Church and Jeff Melhaff and Trell Wells, Rontre Houchins, the running back who ran in the single-wing attack who was All-State, Rontre Houchins later had significant problems with crime and drugs. But when he was a tailback in high school, the guy was a brick. I was going to use a profanity, but the guy was a bannering ram. No one could tackle him. Straley had the vision. Fisher had the X's and O's and knew how to run the day-to-day ops. Fisher was your manager, the guy who ran the day-to-day ops. Straley was your chief executive with the vision. No surprise today, Douglas Straley is the superintendent of Louisa County Public Schools. The guy understood what football meant to his community so much that he said to me, Jerry, I know you mentioned to me you're going 85 miles an hour from Mineral to the newsroom at the Daily Progress to get your 16 inches of copy and you really only have 20 minutes of work to write it. You know what Doug Straley told me? He said, Jerry, why don't you file your story from my office instead of driving to the newsroom? And if you file your story from my office here at Louisa County High School on my personal computer, you can sit at my desk in my chair, use my personal computer, and I won't even stay in the office with you. You can have uh, a water here. I'll buy you dinner. Here's a soda or water. Eat it on my desk. I don't care if you make a mess or get crumbs on it. Make my office your personal newsroom. Doug Straley literally told me that. Make my office your personal newsroom. And for, I don't know, maybe the next three football seasons, I wrote my Louisa County Lions football stories from Doug Straley's personal desk in his office. And he, he did not say this, but he had vision. He knew this. He knew if I could get approval from Jerry Ratcliffe and Chris Wright to file my stories from Doug Straley's desk in his athletic office, this is what he knew was going to happen. He knew that the management team at the newspaper would allocate a larger inch count to my story, always give me the best placement because my stories were filed well before everyone else's. Everyone else was having to drive back to the newsroom. Athletic directors at Western, it was Steve Heon at the time. Athletic director at uh, Charlottesville High School. Who was the athletic director at Charlottesville High School when I was covering? It eventually was Rick Lilly. Who was it before Rick Lilly? Memory is not there. Deb Tyson at Almoral High School would, allow, would occasionally allow me to file from there, but not every time. Every single damn time, Doug Straley let me file a story from his office because he knew that story would get to Chris Wright and the copy desk at the sports department faster than any other story. And he also knew that this team had a lot of talent on the roster. And he knew that this 20-year-old kid, me, was the guy that was the gatekeeper for coverage for his program. So he rolled out the red carpet. And next thing I know... Another athletic director, Fitzgerald Barnes at Monticello, saw the coverage that I was giving Louisa, and he rolls out the red carpet. Pork sandwiches, barbecue, 
a spot with my name on it in the press box, the opportunity to follow, file my story directly from his office. That's when Monticello High School had Broadbick now as the head coach and downtown Mike Brown as the quarterback. You guys remember Mike Brown? He's the son of Brown's Fried Chicken. Brown's Fried Chicken owned by a fantastic couple, right? Their son, downtown Mike Brown, their only son, was a three-sport standout at Monticello High School. Football, basketball, and baseball. I still think his best sport was baseball, but his passion was football. Mike Brown went and played quarterback at Liberty University, where he was a record-setting quarterback at Liberty, and then he ended up having a legitimate career in the National Football League, most notably as a wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. My point is this. Doug Straley, Mark Fisher, Louisa, they utilize football to build community. They empowered a 20-year-old rookie reporter and made him feel at home and comfortable. That 20-year-old rookie reporter went above and beyond to cover this program, not only with game story coverage, but because I was at all these football games, I had so much additional content from a features standpoint. That's why Louisa at the time was getting features on the quarterback or features on the coach or like a nitty-gritty notebook of analysis of trends that I saw in the game that it would put out on Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday. Legitimately in this scenario, everyone won. Mark Fisher won. Football program, literally and figuratively. Doug Straley won, the athletic director. He parlayed the success of the football team in the athletic department and what he built in the jungle with Bubba the Lion and fireworks and skydivers bringing the football game to the 50-yard line into a superintendent's job where he's making probably $200,000-plus a year and he's calling the shots for the entire system. He won. The community won. Louisa found its passion, its identity, its sense of purpose And you look at Louisa today in 2023 versus Louisa what it was in uh, 2003, 20 years ago, and it's completely different. It's completely different. You have people want to live in Louisa. You have academic performance in Louisa, quality academic performance. Wait till you see the SOL graph I'm about to put on screen. In 2002, 2003, not a chance in hell Louisa County Public Schools could compete with Albemarle County Public Schools. 20 years later, thanks in part to that brand identity, that passion galvanized through a game, through a sport, through football, Louisa's kicking ass. You got that graph? Yep. Let's put it on screen. This from Dr. Meg Bryce's Facebook page. She's got this graph. Is it on screen now? SOL average pass rate from 2014 to 2022. Almero County is the blue. Augusta County is the red. Louise is the, what do you call it, the burnt, burnt orange? Yeah, I guess. Someone explain this to me. <clears throat> How does Almero County Public Schools go from an SOL pass rate in 2017, Judah? You with me? Yeah. Might as well weave you in on a two-shot. How does Almero County Public Schools 
go from an SOL pass rate of over 80% in 2017 to an SOL pass rate in 2022 that's basically 67.5%. Yeah. That number's even lower now. And if we follow the school board meeting last night, Almaro County Public Schools, one of the topics that was being discussed at this school board meeting was the performance of black and brown students within the school system. Hmm. That performance, I encourage any viewer and listener to do the research yourself. That performance for black and brown students, not good. Yeah. Almorrow at 18 G's a student. On average, roughly 18 K a student. It costs to educate our elementary, middle, and high schoolers in ACPS. Has gone from an SOL pass rate of a 15% drop in a short period of time, even worse for black and brown students. Yeah. What happened? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, uh, it's you look. We at call the, this COVID. Well, you look at the. Uh, I mean, this this only goes to 2022. Obviously, they don't have numbers for 23 yet. But uh, I mean, it's strange that every county started going up between 21 and 22, except for Albemarle, and Albemarle's just been on a straight. I mean. They all went down, uh, obviously, or most likely because of the pandemic. But uh, Albemarle County uh, just kept going. Um, it would be very interesting if, uh, if we... Who was the first school system to open in Central Virginia during COVID? What was the first public school system to open, to reopen and go back to normal? Anybody? Viewers and listeners, anybody? Put it in the feed. What school system was the first to open in Central Virginia during COVID? Anybody have the right answer? First right answer in the comments section gets a free I Love Seville sticker. First one. Put it in the feed. Who's, who's going to get this right? Janice Boyce Trevelyan says, we live in Louisa. Amaro County is about a mile away as the crow flies from our house. She says it's less than a mile from us, and we live in Louisa, Almoral is. Thank you, Janice. You know what? She just thank you for that comment. Janice Boyce Trevelyan, after the show, can you send her a DM and give her a free sticker on us? Who was the first school system to open and to try to go back to normal during COVID? Kelly Jackson's watching from Colorado Springs having a Bloody Mary. God, I'd have a Bloody Mary with you right now, KJ, and then some. She says, Almoral schools are great. If you're a STEAM program, science, technology, engineering, what's the A? Is it architecture, math? What's the A in STEAM? I don't know. Or have special needs. Other than that, good luck. She has a daughter who is brilliant in Almoral County Public Schools. She says, it's great if you have special needs or you're in the STEAM program. Other than that, good luck. All right, I haven't seen anyone. Holly Foster. Oh, Lisa Costello and Holly Foster. Lisa Costello and Holly. Science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Oh, arts, thank you. I mean, that seems to cover quite a lot of. Uh, Is that all of school? What's science, left? technology, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math? I guess it doesn't include history, uh, writing, yeah, English, and recess. I guess a foreign language. There's a lot of stuff that's not in STEAM. 
Doesn't include uh, music or... Uh, I would say music I mean, falls under the arts. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, Holly Foster, you are correct, Louisa. And Lisa Costello, you are correct, case, Louisa. Could, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Can you, can, you, can you DM after the show Holly Foster, Lisa Costello, and Janice Boyce Trevilian? I was only going to give out one sticker, but you know what? I'm feeling a little generous today. We'll cover the postage. You DM them. Holly Foster, Lisa Costello, and Janice Boyce Trevilian each got a free I Love sticker on us. The first school to open during COVID and said, screw this. We need to get these kids back in the classroom. Screw this. The, the risk from COVID is not nearly as significant as little Johnny and little Susie learning their ABCs and their one, two, threes in the coat closet or in the, uh, the, the downstairs unfinished basement next to Max the dog, his crate with a bunch of fur balls right next to the, you know, Max the dog. I'm talking about my house over there. Oh, yeah. Louisa was the first. Louisa was the first. Now put that graph back on screen. Put the graph back on screen. When did Louisa start rebounding? 21. Or at least that's where... When did COVID start? Uh, March of March 2020. When did Louisa start rebounding? When did all the schools start rebounding except for Albemarle? 2021. Augusta, Fluvanna, Louisa, Orange, and Rockingham. The outer county schools less impacted by liberal ideologies open faster. The outer counties in central Virginia, more conservative with their ideologies, the more conservative ideologies at the time, wanted the schools to open Immediately, Al Marl, a swimming pool undoubtedly of liberal ideology, wanted to stay closed. One of the candidates, to her credit, and I'm giving her props here, I, I want someone to tell this to um, Katrina Carlson, please. I'm giving her props. Katrina Carlson, chairwoman of the Al Marl County School Board, currently running in HD 54, House of Delegates race 54. She's competing against Dave Norris, who is apparently not, Dave Norris, who is apparently not only an affordable housing advocate, but evidently Dave Norris is now a music festival promoter and organizer. Dave Norris caught a little heat for that in the Daily Progress. We'll talk about that today on the I Love Seville show. Um, she's also being, uh, she also has competition for Bellamy Brown, who joined us on the program yesterday. If you want to see the Bellamy Brown interview, watch it at ilovesevil.com. I reached out to Katrina Carlson <laughs> via DM after the interview with Bellamy, and I said, hey, Mr. Brown was on the show yesterday. It was a fair interview. I will also offer you a same time slot where you can come on the program, and I will interview you fairly. What's fair is fair. The same offer goes for Dave Norris as well. So Katrina, at the time, when she's on the school board, she's fighting to open the schools back up. Common sense, Katrina. That was a good call. But as she's fighting to open the schools back up during COVID, Albemarle, very liberal, lambasts her. Hmm. Lambasts her. Bombards her. Katrina was right. Those doing the lambasting and the bombarding, with the benefit of hindsight, wrong. 
Now we know, having little Susie and little Johnny learn their ABCs and their 123s next to the mop bucket and the Windex and the chlorine and the detergent and the laundry room at house is not good for their mental health. I was playing squash the other day with a first year at UVA. He just finished his first year at the University of Virginia. Yeah. I'm just going to use his first name. His so, he, first, so he probably spent the last two years of his high school career uh, at his, home. Oh, my God. Listen to what he told me. His name is Bez, B-E-Z, one of the nicest kids that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. It's like probably like, what do you think, Dean, that Dean Russell watching? What do you think Bez is? Maybe like a 4'5", 4'6", player, 4'7", maybe, from San Diego. Um, he's told me, son of a taxi driver, son of a maid, taxi driver and maid. Okay? He's got a full scholarship from San Diego to come to the University of Virginia. Full scholarship. What does from San Diego mean? He's out of state. So for an out-of-state guy to come to the University of Virginia, probably be looking at like, I don't know what the exact number, called seventy or $80,000. So you're just saying he's coming from San Diego or he's getting the money somewhere from San Diego? He's an out-of-state student. Right, I get that. Yeah. A, a full scholarship for an out-of-state student is a coveted scholarship. Yeah. I mean, any scholarship where it's a full ride is coveted, especially the ones that are out of state that are going to save you a quarter million dollars of debt. So I'm playing squash with Bez. I love this guy. Like, 18-year-old. He doesn't realize. You know what? I asked him. I asked him. I said, uh, how old do you think I am? <laughs> Legitimately asked him, how old do you think I am? He goes, what, maybe late 20s? I just said, Yes. <laughs> I'm in my late 20s. That's all I said right there. I'm playing squash with him. And we got to talking about his time in high school. So he's a, he just finished his first year at UVA. Yeah. And he was talking about COVID and learning in this COVID period in San Diego. And he said that as schools were reopening in San Diego, the friends, his inner circle of friends, he didn't even recognize them hmm. when... COVID was when we were coming out of COVID and we were expected to go back to school. The same folks that were his inner circle friends that were doing things the right way, like school, staying out of trouble, making the right decisions, going about life as a good person. A lot of those same people as he got back in their social circles because they were out of quarantine, they didn't care about school anymore. Hmm. They were more jaded with their outlook on life, more into drugs, more into doing things they shouldn't have, spent a year and a half learning school through Zoom when the reality is the camera never had to be on for the Zoom class. So they could never tell if they were on another tab, like on Discord or playing video games. Yeah. He told me he had to cut out the friend group Mm -hmm. because he was that razor focused to better his life. He knew in his economic setting, he was going to have to get a full ride somewhere for college. And he went balls to the wall to get it. Yeah. And the way he was able to do it unfortunately, was cutting out friends. That's maturity. It's also extremely sad. Yeah. 
extremely sad. No doubt. Katrina realized we had to get the kids back in school. Her counterpart, for example, Judy Lee, said no. Don't get them back in. Al Marlowe in totality, so concerned with this one-of-a-kind pandemic, it didn't realize the negative ramifications of quarantining children at times when their brains were still developing, at times where they needed guidance from adults, not their parents, at times when they needed to fail upward. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with failing if you learn from it, right. if you fail forward. Yeah. If you fail and you do it forwardly, then it works to your advantage. I have failed so many damn times in this business, mm -hmm. 15 years this past May. I've made so many blunders, but each of those blunders has taught me more than a success ever had. Yeah. Ever had. Exactly. She said, get the kids in the school. Mm -hmm. She caught tremendous heat from that. She got tremendous heat from Sarah Harris, the founder of Forward Albemarle. She and I going back and forth, a little brouhaha about her indoctrination tweet. <laughs> I'm still flabbergasted that the president and co-founder of a lobbying group calls the Pledge of Allegiance indoctrination. I have been bombarded from burner email accounts sending me screenshots of Sarah K. Harris's Twitter account over the last 24 months. So I can justify what I just said. Do you have your email address open, Judah? Do I have my... Do you have your email account open? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to forward you the content of one of these burner accounts. Okay? Okay. When I forward you this content, you, Judah Wickhauer, you determine what you want to do with the information in it. I will leave the decision of what we're going to do with this content legitimately up to you and your judgment. Okay? I forward it to you. This is the co-founder, face of the organization, the progressive lobbying group of Almoro County Public Schools. That's in your email. Take a look if you want to put it on a one-shot. It's your decision what we're going to do with this stuff. Hmm. Go to a one-shot with me, and then we can go back to a two-shot after you've taken a look at all that information. Louisa, one of the first to open. Private schools, did they ever close? Briefly, the private schools did. Briefly, the private schools did. Albemarle County in Charlottesville City stayed closed the longest. ACPS and Charlottesville City Schools stay closed the longest. I heard a story yesterday from a friend. A friend of mine's got two kids at Stone Robinson Elementary. He's got a, uh, a young man who's graduating, also got a daughter at Stone Robinson. He told me that the parents at Stone Robinson They were informed by the administration 
that four elementary school students were caught vaping in the bathroom and on the playground. And now at Stone Robinson, granted the school year is over, but for much of this previous, call it 30 days, the last 30 days, you could go to the bathroom at Stone Robinson Elementary in the morning, in a set period of time, and in the afternoon, in a set period of time. If a young man or a young girl had to go to the bathroom any period of time except in this set period in the morning and this set period in the afternoon, the young man or young daughter had to raise their hand and ask the teacher, and the teacher had to call ahead to the principal's office, and either the principal or the vice principal would come to the classroom and have to walk the student to the bathroom, check if any other kids were in that bathroom, and wait outside the door and time the students for how long they could be in the job. How many kids go to the school? Stone Robinson Elementary? I'm, I bet you that information's online. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you need like a full-time job for that? Well, that's why they live in it. It's only afternoon and, afternoon and mornings. And the students, yeah, that, said it says roughly other- 450. And they said the ones, the ones that over, went to the bathroom too many times outside of those period of times were told to hold it. If they were repeat going to the bathroom people outside of the morning slot or the afternoon slot, they kept asking to go to the bathroom, they were then eventually told to hold it. But four are kids these, popped and real split. people working here, or right. like this is really happening. Not, Ask any parent at Stone Robinson. This real, legitimately ACPS eighteen thousand dollars a student. Ask any parent at Stone Robinson. Four kids suspended for vaping at an elementary school. Vaping at an elementary school. That suspension leads <clears throat> to bathroom Nazi behavior, where you could only go in the morning or the afternoon. And if you wanted to go in the middle of the day, you had to be chaperoned by an administrator who stood outside the bathroom and gave you a limited period of time that you could be in it. And if you over asked to go to the bathroom outside the morning window or the afternoon window, you were told to hold your pee or hold your poop. I mean, 2023 ACPS. True story. Nuts. I mean, first of all, punishing the entire school because, because you had to suspend four kids for, for vaping. I mean, it's a shame that kids in elementary school are vaping. I, I thought the same thing. why would you thing. punish everyone for that, that? That's literally what the dad said. And then, and then to go so far as to create a series of rules that you would think that if anybody heard you discussing those rules they would be like are you insane yeah these are our kids you're talking about that's going to deny elementary school children going to the bathroom because you're worried that they're what that every single one of them has a vape pen hidden in their in their back pocket that's literally what my 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 buddy said the dad of of his two kids my buddy has a dad he has got two kids at stone robbins he literally called the, the principal and said, you're punishing the entire school because four kids were suspended for vaping? Then he took it further and said, kids going to the bathroom by themselves helps them independence and self-confidence and grow and mature. When you chaperone a child to the bathroom and stand outside the door, you're marginalizing them. I mean, I think it's crazy that we even know that fact. Like, when... I think when... 
all of us, people listening in, you and I, when we were in school, did was there ever a question of like, what does it mean for for me to go to the, like? Did I ever think as an elementary school, uh, you know, I... I was I, pretty terrible. I, really, I did some bad things in the bathroom. I'm sure... Maybe you, you were not. I'm sure you did, but... I should have probably been chaperoned in the bathroom. <laughs> but, but no, but, but seriously and still, like... It, I, I just think it's insane that we, we've gotten to a point where there is a discussion... A bathroom police. About... Bathroom police. What it does to a child's self-confidence to either be able to go to the bathroom alone or be chaperoned there. I mean, that, that's just... John Blair said Augusta County went back August 18, 2020. Juan Sarmiento said one of the reasons we were first to go back to school because our internet is so terrible out in Louisa. We couldn't do the online learning, so we had to get back to school. That's a good point. Every cloud has a silver lining. Every cloud has a silver lining. That's 100% right. 100% right. John Blair also says, we're giving a master class. She says, Jerry, you and Judah are giving a master class on community. I'd also point out that Augusta County is home to Riverheads, which has won five straight state championships. Augusta County Public Schools are much better than Almore County Public Schools at this point. It's not even close. Put the data on screen. Almore is this like... Almaro is this like mythical creature in the Commonwealth. And in this mythical creature in the Commonwealth, Almaro has these connotations and denotations of affluence and of wealth and of rolling pastures and of estates and of cash money and of finance and of the University of Virginia and the smartest people in the Commonwealth. Almaro has this allure of being paradise. I mean, you talk to people in central Virginia, and everyone in some ways thinks that the folks in Almoral are better than them. But you want to know something? Look at the data. Is it on screen? It is now. The SOLs don't reflect that, dog. Look at the data. Who's on the downward trend? Just Albemarle. Who's on the upward trend? Everybody else. Augusta County's ahead of Almoro. Louise is ahead of Almoro. How much longer till Fluvanna passes Almoro? Uh, looks like maybe a few days. Tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. That was. <laughs> that was so funny. That was effing hilarious. I genuinely laughed. Why don't you? That was hilarious. I mean, that was 2022, so uh, we may already be there. In fact, right, that's what I'm saying. By those trajectories, there you I, go. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Albemarle is, I mean, uh, let's see, uh, they're probably getting close to 65 by now, and uh, it looks like everybody else is probably at least breaking 70. There you go. Just if we follow those same lines. Explain to me how the school system that spends the most money per student is the one on the downward trend. Can someone explain that to me? How is the school system that's spending the most per student, 18 Gs on average, the one on the downward trend? Because not all expenditures are created equal. Is this a reflection of politics? Is this a reflection of COVID? Is this a reflection of politics and COVID driving the best teachers out of the classroom? 
Is this a reflection of poor leadership? Is this a reflection of the school board? Is this a reflection of students heading to private schools that maybe were the best performers, leaving some of the performers that aren't the hottest in the hallways? Or E, all of the above? Or all of the above. Is this a reflection of a principal saying four kids got pop vaping at Stone Robinson Elementary, so we're going to punish the entire school? Because that doesn't seem very intelligent. No. I wouldn't lead that way. You basically are taking the trust and the relationship you've built with the student and squashing it in the last month of the school year. Yeah. Hold your pee pee. Hold your poo poo. Well, it's also saying we don't trust any of you. Exactly. You little brats. Exactly. Exactly. It's the easy way to lead, not the hard way to lead. This is what I found in life, and it took me a long, a long time to figure this out. Oftentimes, the hard path is the right path. And the easy path, on paper, might seem like the shortcut, but it ends up screwing you in the end. If you're experiencing hardship... Nine times out of ten, the hard way is the right way. And it's unfortunate, but it's the case. Man, I wanted to talk so much. I got a phone call with a real estate mogul in 60 seconds. It's already 1.30. Damn. That hour flew. No doubt. Are we going to... I can't, I have literally eight seconds here. Ah. All right, we're going to have to talk about the Dave Norris Music Festival on Monday. Dave Norris, a music festival maestro, also running for HD 54. Oh, man. I hope you guys enjoy the show. It'll trip down memory lane. Make sure we get those to... uh, the three ladies, the I Love Seville sticker, Janice, Holly, and Lisa. Guys, this is the I Love Seville show. We talk about stuff that matters. The stuff may not be comfortable all the time, maybe awkward, and may not be what you want to hear. It may irritate you. You may like it. But it's honest and authentic and applicable to the community we live within. I will always be honest and authentic and relay content that is applicable to the community we live within. For Judah Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller. Enjoy your weekend.